Well, this morning, we're pleased to have Scott McFarland with us. He's the CBS News correspondent. And uh, we're here to talk to you about uh, Trump. There's a lot of Trump in the headlines these days for a man who's not in office anymore, isn't there? Yeah, so many investigations are underway. It's hard to avoid that. I mean, add the search at Mar-a-Lago, the January 6th investigation, in New York over taxes and money, and Georgia over efforts to overturn the election. There's a lot of balls in the air. That's that's for sure. Uh, and, of course, we also have this, uh, this new um, book that's going to be coming out, the eight hours of recorded conversations between Trump and Bob Woodward and then uh, reporter Bob Costa, who was, who was with The Washington Post at the time, now with CBS. That's going to be released next week. And the audio clips that have been released so far indicate that the former president knew of the sensitivity of at least some of those records that he had in his possession as president, and that, according to the court filings and the notices from the National Archives, he may have had it in his possession at Mar-a-Lago when they were seized August 8th. All of this underscores the significance of that at singular investigation, the Mar-a-Lago records investigation, which is kinetic, it's still moving, and no one seems to know the trajectory it's headed toward. Well, it's kind of hard to know the trajectory of anything uh, these days, especially when it comes to to Trump. Uh, I was reading an article last night talking about where the U.S. District Judge David Carter uh, is now saying that some of the emails that uh, show that Trump knew voter fraud numbers were inaccurate before he signed off on their use in a lawsuit. Yeah, and that, that order is significant. This is from California Federal Judge David Carter, who was trying to adjudicate this issue of should John Eastman, that 11th hour Trump legal advisor, hand over more emails to the January 6th committee? And the judge says, yeah, you got to hand over more of those records. And that's, that's important, but not nearly as important as the words used by the judge in the order. The judge says, in so many words, it's more likely than not that Trump engaged in the obstruction of an official proceeding, a violation of U.S. code, another way of calling it a crime. And he said that there's evidence presented so far that the former president knowingly espoused voter fraud claims he knew to be false. So it's what the judge said more than what the judge ruled. I think that's significant here. Well, I mean, it's going to be interesting. A lot of the... um the surveys that are out there are showing that people in America don't care. They're yep. getting really frustrated with this this January 6th, the money that's being thrown into it, the time that's being put into it, uh, when Americans are struggling financially. Um, uh, Trump did submit a sworn deposition uh, in a defamation case. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, two different things there. Let me take yeah. the first part. Okay. Um, yeah, the polling has been crystal clear that there's an overwhelming number of Americans, according to a New York Times poll, 72% who believe democracy is in danger. thing is, very few of them care about it or will mobilize their vote, according to it. Uh, there are candidates out there, Democratic candidates, who say you know, inflation is a problem, gas prices are a problem. Those are temporary problems. The unbinding of American democracy is permanent. If you let it fall, it may never come back. But... Voters well, at this it, point are mobilized it, by inflation and prices. It may feel like it's uh, temporary, but it, it doesn't really feel temporary when you have a commander-in-chief who refuses to even acknowledge it. Well, it's a pernicious issue. I mean, gas prices and grocery prices are a 
pernicious political issue. They smack you across the face every day. When you go to the gas pump a couple times a week, you get hit. You go to the grocery store every Saturday morning, you get hit. It is a challenging political issue for the party in power. And unequivocally, the Democrats recognize that or should. They should, but do you really think they do? Well, I mean... That's a political question better best left to political advisors and political analysts. But I could say that Democrats recognize that this is an issue that voters are, are being mobilized by. Whether they're responding properly or thoroughly enough is a question for Democratic strategy. Yeah, we, we um, had a conversation yesterday here on the show where, uh, you know, they, it seems as though President Biden and uh, the Democratic Party seems to want to make the Roe versus Wade the key issue when it comes to the midterms. And, and, and as is evident this week, the, the, the right. president did events on both issues. He did an abortion rights speech on Tuesday. He did a gas prices speech yesterday. So they're trying to have both you know, both balls in the air at the same time here. Um, but that said, um, the CBS News battleground tracker polling we're doing indicates pretty sizable advantage for Republicans. And the crosstabs of those polls show it's because voters are mobilized by inflation and economic issues in this moment. They seem to be edging towards Republicans to solve those problems. Right, right. They're they're more worried about the uh, the babies that they have and feeding them uh, than they are about Roe versus Wade. No doubt about that. So back to this other topic. Uh, yesterday, uh, Trump did submit a swarm deposition in a defamation case brought by a woman who says that she was raped in a dressing room. In the mid-90s. Now, he's denying those claims. What do we know about that? Yeah, this is a defamation suit. So it's a civil case, not a criminal case. It'll Which is easier issue. to win, usually. Um, yeah, the, the, the threshold for, for, for prevailing in court is lower in a civil case than in a criminal case. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, the defamation allegation goes against the former president, according to the plaintiff here, because he claimed publicly it didn't happen, that it was a lie. E. Jean Carroll, the New York writer, is arguing that constituted defamation. Um, but the former president sitting for a deposition in the civil suit is going to be noteworthy in any context, and that's why it was noteworthy yesterday when, after this long, seemingly winding legal path, he finally sat down for a deposition. The outtakes of that deposition we likely will not hear anytime soon, um, or the specifics of what the questioning and answering was, but it's noteworthy when a former president sits for a civil deposition, no matter what. Right. So I know none of us have a, a crystal ball or, or anything, uh, but based on, on the things that you're covering right now, uh, when it comes to Trump, what are your thoughts about him running again in 2024? He's given every indication he's leaning in that direction and that um, keeping his powder dry until after the midterm elections, uh, potentially with the risk of you know, making himself the issue in the midterm elections and making himself the issue in the midterm elections may help Democratic chances. Um, in August, Democrats hit a wave of momentum, including winning a very contested special election in New York when abortion rights was a primary issue that was moving voters. It seems to have receded a bit as a mobilizing issue. But we, I'll note and underscore this. Former President isn't talking about that abortion rights ruling in his many rallies, in his many speeches. I'll be interested to see how he positions himself, what he says about that Supreme Court ruling and the legislation that's come since, if and when he's a candidate again. His silence has been notable on that issue since June. Yeah, that, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. It, it has been. Now, um, 
Cohen came out and he says Trump's not going to run again in 2024. Did you uh, did you see any of that? It's a fun parlor game to a degree. I mean, who's going to run, who's not going to run. You know, but it's also a premature <clears throat> debate when you're 19 days away from what is clearly a pivotal midterm election. Absolutely. So much at stake. And, and, and it's quite clear that control of the U.S. House is in jeopardy for the Democrats. And control of the U.S. Senate is in similar peril. Mm-hmm. These issues to transcend 2024. And I think I've, I've, I've noted the discipline of the parlor game, considering how much is at stake in November. Well, uh, as a person who is a small government person, uh, and I've said this before, much to uh, my hate mail that I've received, I, I don't want Trump to run again. I really don't. I don't think it would be good for the country for that to happen. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, I think it's a very real possibility that he may. I thought it was interesting that Michael Cohen said that he he probably won't run because uh, it'll destroy his political fundraising grift. So uh, I thought that was an interesting take on it for sure. You've got to keep the possibility out there for relevance. Any would-be candidate or anybody trying to be relevant in the political discourse has to at least flirt with the opportunity of running in the future to stay relevant. So he's going to keep that option open until the very last minute when he makes his decision. I'm sure you're right. Scott McFarland, CBS correspondent, thank you so much for joining us on The Morning Jam. We enjoyed our conversation with you. Anytime. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting stuff. I hadn't really thought about the fact that he really hasn't addressed a whole lot. He has a little bit, but the Roe versus Wade.